Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. Bruh. New York strip steak. Ooh. This is the basketball buds. Braised beef short ribs. With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Hello and welcome to the basketball edition of the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore, filling in for Zach Harper, joined by Mo DeKeel and Jay King. We got a light crew this week, guys. Everybody, everybody's getting some I'm kind of physical therapy done this morning. We've got old man Zach and old man Trey doing physical therapy, and and I'm the fill in. Sorry, guys. You are heavy, Jay. I this was delayed, you know, but I wanted to get that out there. <laughs> Jay, Jay, I'll tell you the secret to life, man. It's walking. All the things that they never connect the dots on in those blue zones in Japan. In the Mediterranean, in France, why do they smoke and drink the way they do and live a long time? It's walking. walking See, I think the secret skinny. to life for me is just don't order food at 3 a.m. after you finish work. Well, why are you awake at 3 a.m.? He's working. Because I got to work. I got to work. Oh, but now fair. it's the off season. I always lose like 30 pounds every off season. I'm, I'm ready, baby. Okay. So I you come back in the best down, shape of my life every year. You slim down do for you? the summer and bulk up during the season. Is that, that yep. That's what we're saying. Okay. Not a healthy bulk. Well, okay, so you were busy last week because Marcus Smart got traded, which was a little unexpected. I mean, this guy is like the heart and soul of that team, was certainly their identity for the last few years, and and I would argue their toughness also. And and this was a team we watched be a little soft in the playoffs. So, I mean, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk about it. Were you shocked that he was traded? I mean, he's he means so much not only to the team, but also to Boston in general. I mean, Marcus Smart is a folk hero. And so to see him get traded, uh, I mean, it was – I never thought it would happen. Yeah, and especially after the earlier in the day, Malcolm Brogdon was in that trade and right. Danilo Gallinari was in that trade. So it wasn't going to be something that touched the Celtics core at first, the first iteration of it. And that would have been a much safer trade, trading as good as Brogdon was this past year, the sixth man of the year, for a starting big man who could play four, can play five, can shoot the three, can play in the post. Like, that would have been an automatic move, especially without giving up any picks in the deal, which the Celtics were ready to do. Then it got switched to smart. And and from the Celtics' perspective, of course, you get two picks and you get Chris Stapps Porzingis. That's great value. That's great, right. great value. Porzingis should fit them s- extremely well. He's going to give them super size lineups with tons, tons, tons of rim protection between him, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. They needed a big who could score. They Al Horford used to be able to, not really anymore, especially <laughs> inside the arc. And Robert Williams has never been a threat other than lobs and putbacks. So 
from that perspective, this makes him more dynamic in the front court. It gives him the chance to go from a team that was probably too small in the playoffs at times because of the rotation they used and because of the the emphasis on guards that the roster had last year to now they're just jumbo. They're huge. And and that's something that they were interested in and something they wanted to do. But it's at the cost of Marcus Smart. And how much does that impact your tough? It's beyond the toughness, too, to me, because you walk into practice, it was Marcus Smart's voice you heard. It's spirit. He, it's not just toughness. I think it's, it's not it's, toughness. It's spirit. It's we, we got to stop with this. I think he's yeah. kind of a, you can't be a tough guy and fucking flop all the goddamn time. <laughs> yes, I'm tired can. of us. Kyle no, Lowry no, is tough him. as hell. Marcus. No, Smart I'm tired. Tough. I'm tired, but I'm tired of this. He's not the toughest guy on that team. They lost to the Heat. He is the toughest guy on the team, and that's the problem. They lost to the Heat because they weren't tough. That was the reason why I picked the Heat in that series, in that sense. Like, I get it. The The value of losing smart is is in the sense of, like, who's going to pass the ball? You know, and I don't think – here's the thing. The Porzingis move makes sense. I don't think it's a great move for them. I don't think he actually – my problems with this team is they shoot way too many threes, so they got another dude that's going to bomb from three. I think the whole idea of him – in the post. A lot of it is, hey, I have a smaller guy on me off a mismatch and I'm just going to shoot the jumper. That's really kind of what we're talking about with him. But, in the but post. that's what they need him for, right? Because they need but, to counteract switching defense. And that's why they did it, because they didn't have someone who could beat a switch before. But they're not going to get to a lot of those things. Like, I don't think so. And they're going to just I think he's going to end up shooting way more threes than he than even before, because this is the the, the DNA of this Celtics team is we jack up a ton of threes. And then in the, the other part that hurts in losing Smart, though, is who's going to pass the ball? Smart was their best passer, and I don't even think that was great. But, like, Jay, like, who's who's taking over in that kind of connector role and going to kind of help them out? Yeah, the organization believes that Derek White can handle more of those responsibilities than he had in the past. And, and they believe it. I mean, there were times last year when they handed him the reins, and it looked great. M- Milwaukee, around – February, every starter was out. Derek White played a full-strength Milwaukee team, basically by himself, had 27 points, 12 assists, and looked awesome. Miami, Jason Tatum gets hurt. Jalen Brown is struggling. Derek White is the one who took the reins and almost brought them to within at least shouting distance for a little while. (laughs) And, And so they think with the ball more often that he can be the one. And then the other part of this that, has been obvious to to anyone watching is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just need to play better. It didn't matter who they were going to bring back. They lost to the Warriors two years ago in the finals because Stephen Curry was so far beyond Jason Tatum in that, in that series. They lost to the heat this year, largely because Jalen Brown turned the ball over a ton, did not have an efficient series. And so there were always going to be a lot on those two guys. I think j- this puts even more on those two guys. This is a way to reset the roster in a way that that will fit Jason Tatum as he becomes more of a point guard type. And I think this is a bet on him taking that step and being the primary initiator more often. And when they did that with Smart, there were spacing issues, right? Because you had Derek White and Marcus Smart. Right. And Derek White became a shooter last year, but teams aren't super afraid of him for sure and Marcus Smart was another guy you could leave so now they have one fewer guy to leave they have Chris Stapps Porzingis who's a foot taller than Marcus Smart so they're going to be playing much bigger and he'll probably play in a lot of the same lineup combinations that Smart did 
they believe Peyton Pritchard is capable of playing minutes, even though he didn't last year, and that they'll be fine with a guard rotation of Brogdon, White, and Pritchard. But I think, really, this doesn't work unless Tatum and Brown are better. And nothing would work unless Tatum Correct. and Brown were better. And, me, and Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask this question. Are the Celtics done? Like, I'm sorry, if you're if part of your rotation, and Pritchard's good, but if part of your rotation is Pritchard in that area, like, I don't see that being a thing that 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 takes you over the top. Very like, this aspirational is, come playoff well, time. A lot of this sounds aspirational. We're hoping Derek White can do this because he did it in two games in the regular season. And, and But it's and, not and, just two games. I mean, well, he I was believe really in Derek White. He, I mean, Derek, Derek White was, is actually Derek White's really good, but he's not a connector. He's guys. not a, but right. he's not a dude that you're going to look at going like, hey, Bing, bing, I'm going to get the guys in the right spot and all of those things. It's not even – it doesn't even have to be a great dude. It's a dude like Ricky Rubio or somebody that does – you know what I mean? Like almost in that sense is kind of what the Celtics are missing. That's all I want the Celtics to get, Jay. It's just somebody like Ricky Rubio. Just somebody and simple they get like Alex that. Caruso. Uh, Bring like, Rondo out of retirement. I mean, right. shit, we might have to. But, like, we need something like that. It's just too much. It always, It always will end up in just – one-on-one stuff with them and 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 that's the, the Celtics need a whole change in offensive philosophy not just in just the personnel but they need a change in offensive philosophy and what shots they're trying to get how do, they're trying to get them do you think it's possible and I ask you because you're a basketball mastermind do you think it's possible that end the podcast Chris right there well end I'm the assuming podcast he's talking right to there. me here Mo. I, I mean, I, you know, I, do you think it's possible that like the one way to muck up the Celtics offense the last couple of years was have a really good switching defense oh, yeah. and to have uh, like does the Miami zone has given them fits. <laughs> Do you, is it possible that having Chris Dapps could deter people from switching because he could punish those switches? And if you do that, but he can't. Then all of a sudden, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are seeing different coverages, and they're much more comfortable against those coverages than they are against switches. No, I mean, like punish it, the switch though. It depends on who but you're he, playing. I mean, he was one of the most efficient post-up players in the league last year because he was punishing switches. I mean, like it's it it depends on who you're playing, though, right? right. Like, yeah, if he has a real small guard switching onto him, yeah, he's they're not going to be able to. He's going to be able to punish that. You have Jimmy Butler switching onto him. I don't know. I don't know if he's really going to punish it that much. And I think the other aspect of it with Porzingis, who was freaking awesome last year, twenty-three and eight, I think, were his averages and all that stuff. Like, how how real is that? Is that something that's going to continue? The dude's been injury prone in a lot of spots. And that's like, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's the real question is how real was that that season last year? Is that something that's going to carry over? Like, I think sometimes we think, oh, guy had a good last year. He's ready to do it again next year. It's not always how that kind of works. I get what you're saying. The switching and this guy will solve that. My concern is he's going to float mostly on the around the three point line and the and and the perimeter more than actually kind of get down there. And again, I think a lot of his post ups were, were at the elbow, at the at the free throw line, and I'm just going to shoot over my guy. It's not like he's bang 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 down low in the post, forcing a double and kicking out and things like that. And even his passing isn't that good. So it's like I I have a lot of questions in terms of that fit. I I do think it was for what they got for smart. And I think we kind of got to get back to smart here. They got great value. Two first round picks and Porzingis out of that. That's awesome for them. Like mm-hmm. that makes, like you make that deal, I think. Well, and, and the other thing is the, the place where Porzingis 
immediately I think you can say, oh, he makes a difference is defensively because his rim protection along with Rob Williams or if he's playing with Al Horford, like they can mix those lineups up and, and it's going to allow Porzingis to be free as a helper and floating around blocking shots. I think that that is immediate. Uh, the offensive stuff, I, I agree with Mo. I think he he does when he's got a, a primary creator. I mean, if you just look at the years in Dallas, he does tend to float around the three-point line, uh, settling for threes, even on a switch. I mean, small guards give him trouble in the post. Like, this is just... They, they he, used to. I'm not sure that's so much the case anymore. I think he had but a good they definitely used year. to. Right. I think he had a good shooting year, right? Like, uh, around the basket, uh, especially against smaller guys. That's what you want from him. Like, he needs to play more like that. But one of the issues with Porzingis in his career has been that he hasn't been able to do that. Now let's talk about smart in, in, in Memphis, because I think that um, that actually is one of the more interesting angles here. And I, I know you don't cover the Grizzlies, but you know, that team and in particular, you know, Dylan Brooks, that's your guy. And Marcus <laughs> smart is, is upgraded Dylan Brooks from an attitude perspective. He's they're about the same guy shooting the ball. He's a much better passer. He's a better defender. But but the Grizzlies needed to replace that attitude that Dylan Brooks kind of faked. And Marcus Smart has that for real. What is he going to give the Grizzlies? I mean, like I, I made a joke. I don't think day. Dylan like, Brooks faked the attitude. He's always been a Grizzly. Marcus Smart Dylan. has always been a Grizzly. But yeah, now he's is, in Memphis. It's a great fit. That is a, an awesome fit because he gives you all the strengths that Dylan Brooks did. And then he's such a better passer. He's so much better at seeing the game offensively. He's going to help, like, they're awesome in transition. They are awesome. He's going to help that. He's going to be looking ahead. He's going to find guys for wide-open layups that they just haven't had in the past. He's going to he's gonna just compliment them so well. He can run the offense while Ja Morant is gone. He can play alongside Ja. He can play the three if, if you want him to next to Desmond Bain because he's strong and has the 6'9", 6'10", wingspan and can guard – basically anyone you put him next to Jaron Jackson that's 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 just a great great duo and there's a lot of tough guys in Memphis there's a it's not just those two it's that you can switch and you can have size everywhere and Tillman Steven Adams like they just have a lot of big strong dudes and Mar Marcus Smart's another I think that's a absolutely great acquisition for the Grizzlies and he he's going to i think as as good as he is defensively the biggest help he's going to bring them is in half court offense because of the way he organizes pieces because of the way he's a connector because of the way he can pass the ball all that stuff that Dylan Brooks never gave them and never could give them because that's not what he does i just think people are looking at it in some ways like they just replace Dylan Brooks with another non-shooting guard and it's like yeah but this non-shooting guard does everything else for your offense. He's, and, he's a and that's going to be a big player. deal. He's a much and, better player than Dylan Brooks. Yeah, like, I don't think that's Don't tell the whole story, by the way. Like, I mean, Marcus Smart, I, I trust Marcus Smart to take shots. I just trust I, him. I trust yeah. him to take catch and shoot shots. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll put it that way. Um, the the <laughs> questions, I think the I, I think Marcus Smart, for everything Jay said, is right on in that this will help them, especially on the defensive end. But more importantly, I think just having another adult 
in the room matters, right? Just having another dude. It's 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 we've seen this coming from this team for a while. It's been the immaturity. And some of it's been from Dylan Brooks, but some of it's from Jod. Some of it's just across the board from everybody. We kind of want to see them have another adult. I think having, and, and this is kind of weird to say because I never would have thought I'd say this about Marcus Smart, but another stabilizing force in the locker room is going to go a long way for this team. I I love it for Memphis. I do got to say, though, Jay, I don't think it helps the half court all that much in the sense <laughs> yeah. of if it's, it's this is where it scares me. Ja, Smart, and Adams on the floor at the same time. That's three non-shooters. And I know but, they could create stuff. I know they could do stuff out of that and everything. That's still three non-shooters, and we know how it is in the game these days. We've seen Adams deep in the playoffs become less of a factor. And so I think they they need to find ways to play without Adams on the but court. The, but and to not, me, and smart to me, I, I, I agree. Half-court offense, they're not going to be a great half-court offense team. That's 100% certain. I just think with Ja and with Smart, you have a level of intelligence, and they can both read the game. They can both diagnose a defense. They can both just think the game. And I, they had none of that with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was like the exact opposite of that. Oh, and I, So I don't awful. think Smart – like the perfect acquisition for Memphis would have been a big wing who could shoot and score and defend, right? Like that would have been probably perfect for them. Smart's a little smaller, I think, than ideal. He's not as good a scorer as they ideally would have gotten, but he's going to help them in so many ways. And I think you're right about the the maturity component. The other aspect is he'll never be afraid to confront the BS. Yeah. Like guys who need to hear something, he's going to pipe up and say it. When – when things are wrong, he's going to be the one. And and I think that could be difficult for an organization to handle at times because he is willing to speak up and he is willing to, to call out stuff. But it's also what the Grizzlies need and pretty clearly what they need. 100%. And uh, an adult think- in the room who, who can walk in and command some respect, right? That's the thing. Marcus Smart's going to walk in. He's got that resume. And he has that reputation. I I love the move for for Memphis because like one of the things it was too many kids. It was a bunch of kids and Stephen Adams, yep. and you need more than one guy with a bunch of kids. I mean, especially with that much talent. I mean, just the story of Adams telling guys like, "Hey, let's not go out every night on the road." It <laughs> things like that. Like those are the kind of concerning deals with yeah. with with and, that stuff. And Tyus Jones is really good. I think Tyus Jones is one of the best backup point guards in the league, probably the best backup point guard in the league. Yeah. He couldn't play next to Jaw. Like it that wasn't <laughs> optimal for him. And Marcus Smart can. And he can play next to Desmond Bain. And, and those lineups are more lineup be, options. And, and, more feasible. And, and, yeah. and Smart can play the backup role. Right. When when you know you could you can mess around your rotation here a little bit and then have Smart kind of playing the backup point guard role as well to you know for a certain amount of time i listen i love the move for memphis it made sense because i think jay you're right like preferably they'd like a bigger longer wing and all of that stuff might not be available yeah we know we know masai ujiri's like coveting og ananobi like he's a freaking uh uh the ring from uh lord of the rings you know <laughs> kind of deal like he's asking for a million things for that and stuff like that i think it was a good move for memphis yeah it was it was a great move perfect fit I want to talk about another guy that the Wizards dealt, 
And this was a weird one. So weird it, saying the Wizards dealt him. I, I know because like they just held on to him for like a couple of days. But does he get a jersey? Chris Paul is a warrior. That is weird, guys. This is like we're we're in the multiverse, and Chris Paul is a warrior. He's gonna back up Steph Curry. Does this mean Steph Curry won? No, I mean no. all the championships mean Steph Curry won. But Chris Paul's gonna be the backup point guard there. I mean. They they trade Jordan Poole for Chris Paul. Um, just right off right off the face. Is that an upgrade? I think this works for I think this works for the Warriors. I mean, I think just if you can get Chris Paul to play about 25 minutes a game, that's a massive upgrade over Jordan Poole. You get him running the second unit. Just think about the opportunities Clay's gonna have instead of him coming off screens and Jordan Poole dribbling four more times, and then you know, Clay doing one of those things where he throws his hands up and out of frustration and things like that. I think CP in that second unit's really gonna open up opportunities for them. I don't know. He'll play a little bit with Curry, but I don't think that's gonna be the main the main deal for them. Like he's not I I'll be shocked if he's starting. I think well, Steve Kerr will be hitting the sauce a little too hard if that's the case. <laughs> um, I think the situation is like this is a perfect backup for them, and it's an upgrade over Pool by miles. You know the immaturity that you had from Pool and everything that they were getting out of that. I think adding Chris Paul to this mix actually works. I know it's weird. It's so awkward. It took me a few days to just even get over the fact Chris Paul's a warrior now after all those years with the Clippers in Houston that it's like odd, but this one, I think this really might work. The uh, Another team that needed maturity, and that sounds weird to say because it's the Warriors, but that second unit was just totally out of sorts last year. Jordan Poole, you can blame the punch. You can blame all the locker room stuff behind the scenes, but on the court, the product that he put out there last year was haphazard it was it was <laughs> it was bad it, it was just, loose it was, it was it was just gross and and so they knew that either they had to repair whatever issues they had between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole and the whole locker room because that whole team was pissed at Jordan Poole last year yeah Ste- Steph got ejected from a game because he was bad at a shot Jordan Poole took like there were multiple instances where guys who don't lose their cool, especially Steph, lost it because of the way Jordan Poole was playing, the brand of basketball that he was playing. And so they needed to address that. And it could have been by just having Jordan Poole come back with a a new mindset, but obviously they decided that wasn't enough. And I think for them, Paul gives them a chance to have like, their biggest weakness over the years has always been that Steph Curry, when he's off the court, they crater. And Paul gives him a chance to avoid that. And he gives him a chance to just like they're not they're not gonna play the same style, obviously, when Curry is sitting. They kind of tried to play the same style with Jordan Poole on the court the last couple of years. But I think that's gonna have to be like Chris Paul run minutes when he's on the bench, and it's gonna be totally different than the free-flowing style they're used to. It's going to be far more slow it down, run pick and rolls, like well, this is organize thing. things like Chris Paul does. Yeah, They go ahead. did try that pick and roll stuff with Poole early on, but it was Poole and Wiseman, right? Like I, I like, I want to give Poole a little bit of a, of a break because I don't think he had a good pick and roll partner in those bench units. 
I just don't. And now he was bad last year, but this this is the the question I've got about Chris Paul. Who is going to run pick and roll with Chris Paul? Is it going to be I, this rookie? <clears throat> I mean, I, like, the, what are they going to do? Because they are going to have to play different. Chris Paul is not Steph Curry. We all know this. What are they going to do with the bench? Is it just going to be, hey, Chris, go do your thing, uh, you know, four minutes here, four minutes there, and, and just create some offense for us? I mean, what do you guys think it's going to look like with Chris Paul in the court? I don't think they have to change as much as Chris Paul has to change. I think Chris Paul's got to be, hey, I got to be the floor general. I got to operate for these guys. I got to find ways to get clay shots when he's on the floor. Get opportunities for, you know, he's going to work with the young guys a lot, with Kaminga and Moody. They're going to need those guys to kind of take another step in their development, which we know is not the Warriors' best uh, foot forward in that sense. But I think there's going to be a lot of different things that they're going to do. The lineups are probably going to be different. I think there are going to be times where he's going to be on the floor with Kevon Looney in the second unit. And Looney could be a good pick-and-roll partner for for him in that sense. But I don't think they're going to lean heavily on Chris doing the pick-and-roll. I think Chris has to learn to fit in more into their system, into what they're doing. And I think that's going to be the things that he's got to figure out in that sense. He's got – listen, their biggest thing in that second unit, they got to get Clay shots and get Clay going. I think that's really the second unit's major thing. And and from there, everything builds out. So Chris has got to be able to work that out. And I think that's going to be the big part for them. In that sense, I won't be surprised if we just see, forget about just the, obviously the numbers will go down because of minutes, but like per minute basis or whatever, I won't be surprised to see if we see him run less pick and roll. And also this addresses one of their major weaknesses, which was last year when Steph didn't have the ball, they were in trouble. And that's partly because pool just really crumbled after what was a pretty good year the season before. (laughs) But, Poole, got, but yeah. Poole got Steph ejected from a game because he threw his <laughs> mouthpiece because Poole wouldn't pass the ball on a play. Like, what? yes, this is a definite upgrade. Yeah. Of course, but but the other part that they didn't address is size and athleticism on the wing. And maybe they, they just think Kamingo will be ready, even though they weren't willing to play him in the playoffs, which is a, a red flag to how they see about – to how they see him. But they haven't addressed that. They need to find some way because right now it's DiVincenzo. It's well, and it's not going to be Gary Payton. It's Chris Paul. It's Steph Curry. It's they're not going to be able to keep DiVincenzo. Like this is this is the issue that they're going to run again, uh, run up against. Is DiVincenzo is probably going to be too expensive for them to bring back. They need Moody to hit this year. They need Kuminga to hit, or they have to move him. You know, I mean, guys, I like I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but. Have you guys looked at this year's free agent class? It's not like there's a bunch of guys out there. And it's, Golden State is not the ring-chasing destination that it was. So you're not getting – like Jeff Green is in Denver, and it's probably going to stay. Bruce Brown is going to be available, but he's going to make too much money for the Warriors. Uh, I just think their options are limited. I think the – I think, Jay, you're right in that in that opera, you know, this is what they, they still need to upgrade on the wing need to improve along those lines. I just don't think this is the year where that's going to happen for a lot of teams. Every team that's going to need something, they're going to have to choose one or two things and that's it. Like there's, I don't think it's this free agent class sucks, sucks. Daryl Morey got Jalen McDaniels from the, from the Hornets last year at the trade deadline for basically nothing. 
And I think that that was a, a huge pickup for this year's free agency class. Like that's where we're at. Yeah. I just think it's just, it's just one of those years. It's like, fuck man. Like what can we do? You know, we talked about it with Memphis. Memphis would have liked to get better on the wing as well. It's, the options just aren't going to be there this year, especially on the wing. And I think that's going to be the, the hardest thing for a lot of teams, but for the moves that they, they just, just getting off a of pool's contract is huge for them. Say they flame out this year. And, okay, cool. Chris Paul's contract next year is unguaranteed. Boom, he's gone. And then, you know, I, I, they're so far over the cap, I have no idea if it helps <laughs> them. But, it, but it's still just kind of, it's better than having pool for four more years at, what was it, like 30 million? Like, it's, it's I think just getting it, off the contract was even a big win. And he's going to score a lot of points next year. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he puts it together far more, certainly, than he did this past season and scores a lot of points and does it more efficiently and with a team more catered to him and and not Stephen Curry's team. We saw when Steph was out, he he put up huge numbers and he did it consistently when Steph was out. And they they played okay when Steph was out. It wasn't like they totally were trash when Stephen Curry was injured. So I think it's possible that that Washington is able to kind of redeem him and then flip him later in a, a classic like OKC type move with with that new front office that has OKC ties. I mean, I, look, is there an, is there a more perfect guy to captain your tank than Jordan Poole? I mean, he's going to be entertaining, right? Like <laughs> he's going to put he's probably going to have a 50 point game next year. Right? I mean, yeah, and they'll probably lose that game. He'll have a four like, for twenty-five game next year. But I, I think that that's a great move for the Wizards. Look, all right, so how do we feel about what the Wizards did? You know, that's the that's kind of the million-dollar question, Mo, because you, everyone like, keeps saying they cleared the books, but they also got Jordan Poole, right? Um, so you didn't exactly clear the books. It's a more tradable contract than the one you had in Bradley Beal because there's no. There's not a no trade clause, and he makes. And less he's money. young. And he's young. Yeah, makes less money. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think they did okay. They got out of the Bradley Beal business. They got at least good swaps because those late swaps with the Suns could be very valuable. But in the short incredibly term, incredibly valuable. In the right. short term, you know, I think it's it's one of these things where you have to wait and see. What does this look like two years from now? Three years from now? Because it's very obvious they're they're turning the page to tank at this point. I just so, think what do you what do you think, Mo? How did they do? I think they did like just barely above okay. Listen, the Bradley Beal deal was they were fucked. Yeah, you're right? screwed. The, anyway, the moment right? the moment they did the no trade clause, they were they were screwed. There was nothing they could have possibly done in that instance that would have helped them. Right? Like just a no trade clause completely screwed them. I don't know because Beal controlled so much. Of, of that. So that, that deal aside, like when, when people are talking about like this, the pick they get for Chris Paul, it's a top 20 protected in 2030. I don't know if that really matters. You know, the, the swaps even don't matter with Phoenix. Those are fake first round picks. You know, one of the swaps is next year and that pick doesn't, doesn't matter. Like right. Washington's not going to be worse. I mean, Washington's going to be worse than Phoenix most likely. So that's not even a pick that you got in the deal. Like, I think there's a, a, a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I think they did what they had to in this instance. And I think they just knew, Hey, we got to eat it. We're just going to get killed here. And I think that's more something you don't see a lot from teams 
rip the bandaid off. Yeah, and I think they just said we're we're just going to eat it and we'll go from there. I mean, again, you got out from the Bradley Beal contract, which, by the way, Bradley Beal is a good player. So you lost a good player, but you you moved that contract, which was hamstringing you. The no trade. It is unbelievable to me that Bradley Beal has a no trade clause, and every single time I mention it, it, it like it really throws me off because he's the only guy that has one. Bradley Beal, and it it really <laughs> it messed with the Wizards. Big time. <laughs> Sorry, it's just hilarious. I mean, to it's say. just like he's it, the only guy who has it, one. Bradley it, Beal. Bradley Beal. <laughs> um, but for Phoenix, Jay, like I actually think that this has been lost a little bit because. Phoenix got a good player, another good player to go with two really good guys. So in the pecking order, like Bradley Beal is the third best player on the Suns. He might be the best third guy in the league. I mean, no doubt, maybe, right? Like he's the best number three in the in the whole league. But what I worry about with Phoenix is we just watched them struggle because they had no depth. And Landry Shamit as a depth piece is, you know, uh, Mo, please pardon me. I mean, look, he's a rotation guy, and you're in trouble when he's playing for you big minutes in the playoffs, but he's still a guy that was able to give them a lot of minutes in the playoffs. And and so they give up two guys to get Bradley Beal, and that's fine. Like, it's a better player. But you have so much money tied up. The tools at your disposal to bring in more guys are just so limited now. And I almost worry, Jay, are they too top-heavy? Is is Bradley Beal and Booker and Durant like they're really good, but we know it takes more than three guys to win in the NBA, and especially out of those three guys, I mean Booker's a two way guy, but can Booker survive? Like, can you survive in the playoffs with Booker being your primary initiator on offense and guarding the other team's best player if it's a guard? I don't know that you can. He looked gassed by the end of the Nuggets series, so I think they've got depth concerns they, it's okay they certainly have depth Johnson concerns. And Jabari Parker are on the way according to Chris Haynes in a free agent workout sorry I had to jump in I know you said it to Jay but that's <laughs> Jabari hey, do you have like any analysis on Jabari yeah. he seems like a great guy He's, yeah great guy uh not, are they, are, do not they sure have, he has anything they depth. to give the Suns <laughs> they, they yeah they they lack a lot of depth the one thing I will say they they took two games off Denver, which nobody else did, by having the two incredible players. And now they added Bradley Beal. Chris Paul did not play. And that Chris Paul was hurt. Chris Paul, like, it was just the two guys. Now you have a third who can do a lot of damage. So just from that, they should be better in the playoffs as long as those three are all healthy. Now you have to have them all healthy if, if one of them is not it's not going to work. And then the other piece, DeAndre Aiden, it was, it was so funny when Chris Haynes reported uh, they plan to keep DeAndre Aiden and his value. They believe his value is at an all-time high. Well, no, it's not. Because no, you know why? You're keeping it. Because <laughs> you know why? Because he's still on the roster. And right. I think I think they would have very much liked to turn him into multiple players who could compete in the playoffs because – they're going to have a lot of trouble building out a roster. We've talked about the bad free agent class, and there'll probably be a draw for guys who want to ring, but there just aren't many available who could potentially be difference makers. 
and they need like a whole roster of dudes. They need so many dudes. And I think it's possible the mix works just because the top end talent is so ridiculous. But, but I do wonder if there's too much of an overlap where all those guys are primarily scorers and, and, and you don't have enough toughness, defense, depth, everything. I like, there are so many questions. I think others. Frank Frank Vogel, he he's he's a defensive minded head coach who has proven to be one of the better defensive coaches in the league whenever he's gotten a chance. And I think that's going to be really tested this year. With but they, I mean, Kevin Durant can really defend. Devin Booker didn't used to have the reputation, but he can really guard now too. And so I think it's not totally barren there defensively. It's just they have to surround those guys with guys who can survive in the playoffs and it's tough to find those guys it is harder than ever to survive in the playoffs because teams can attack you from five positions there's so much shooting there's so little space to hide for guys who aren't good enough and it's all about denver too right like you gotta you gotta think like all roads lead to denver how do you guard those guys mo i mean is this safe to say if they're keeping ayton next season is all about ayton they go as he goes no, I think it's still going to come down to health and and they'll have to figure out what they're going to do in that area. And it's like Jay was saying, okay, you, they keep eight. They have four players. Like it's, we're in the same boat they were last year. Yes. Beal's a massive upgrade in that sense that having three options that could probably, you know, the three of them can combine for 90 in a game, you know, with, with him, KD and Booker. But like, it's going to come down to that fifth guy. It's going to come down to your rotation, your bench. How much are you going to wear guys out in 82 game season? It's going to wear these four dudes out. And Aiton, who you guys know, I don't really like him. Uh, I think is is just one of those things. Like they're going to need him to step up. But you know what's going to happen? The moment he steps up, they're going to flip him at the deadline for three other players. Like that's kind of their. You know, that's really the thing they need to have happen. And as Jay was saying the the value is not high right now as much as they want to lie to us about it. And I think that's kind of the the deal there. They need Aiton to kind of step up just to raise his value. So yeah, they 30 points. You, Average 30 been, and 12 or something like that you, for the first half of the season. You've been DeAndre Hayton for a long time. But <laughs> <laughs> so so much of this trade to me comes down to can Bradley Beal reach a different level than he's shown the past couple of years? I think it's so it would have been so easy for him in Washington to just go on cruise control. He knew his team wasn't good enough. He knew no matter what he did, they weren't going to win a ton of games. They weren't going to be a playoff factor. They weren't going to do this and that. Now it's different. And I think it's possible this unlocks a Bradley Beal who defends. This unlocks a Bradley Beal who on a night-to-night basis is is – just operating at a higher level. And he's been great. He's been really good. Two years ago, he was utterly ridiculous when he was averaging 30. And But to me, it's like, can he buy in and defend every night because they're going to need him to do that? And is he okay with scoring 18 points a game but still having more of an impact because he does all the other stuff? I don't know the answer to that yet, but I think it's entirely possible that he gets off cruise control and and because of the situation, because of the players around him, because he finally has hope <laughs> that 
that we'll see a, a more committed Bradley Beal, especially on defense, where he's been really bad over some of the last few years. At, well, he won't have the scoring load, right? Which is nice because also there's no excuse to not defend. And he, and he has been a decent defender in his career. I mean, the last three years, notwithstanding, I mean, he, he's been a, a better defender than he's shown the last few years. Um, I think we should probably wrap up. Uh, but was there anything else, guys, from last week? I, we didn't touch on every single move. Obviously, we only touched on Marcus Martin and Chris Paul and, and now this Bradley Beal piece. But uh, was there anything else last week that that jumped out to you guys that that like put a pin in it? This is important. I'm I mean, really intrigued by Houston. It's not super important because is it because Alperin Shingun is now seven feet tall? Is that why you're interested? I think he's seven six, right? Every everybody's growing. Cade Cunningham gained sixty pounds. <laughs> Lol. Kuminga's seven foot two. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> the, the, the no, I, I just think they have a lot of young talent now, and I don't know if it meshes. But Cam Whitmore falling to where he did. And picking up Thompson, who I think is just an awesome talent and will do a lot of the things that they need him to do with the passing and the defense and everything that he could bring. And then on top of that, they've got so much cap space. You bring in you bring in a mature, experienced guy to kind of bring those young that young talent together and and a new coach in Ime Odoka. I'm intrigued by them. I think it's they're still too young. Let me ask you, if you're San Antonio and Houston said you can have our whole roster for Victor Wimanyama. Nope, nope. Don't even finish your sentence. I'd, I'd hang up before they, but whether they say vi- click, like it's not even having that conversation. It's, it's, it's not even that Jay, they're interesting. And we know they're going to get harder. Just obviously just kidding. But like the, yeah. that being the veteran guy, you're saying the the thing or, they want or Van Vliet or Brooke Lopez, like there are a number or of Dylan guys. Brooks. Can... Uh, yeah, oh, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. He would help too. Uh, sure he would um the are they trying to think again or? the thing to watch the thing to watch is just dame dame in miami and this constant flirting and like i just would really wish for dame to just either demand a trade or shut up at this point like we're we're we're, we're, we're at the point it's getting ridiculous and all of these things with music playing in the background and oh it's a coincidence and all of this stuff and you know like it's 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 i'm just going to keep an eye on that because I think that's probably the most logical place. And I think that's a place where, hey, like that makes things a lot more interesting for the NBA. If if Dame gets to Miami, I think that's something that could really happen and and, and would work out. And he doesn't want to play with the young kids, man. I mean, I will say at least people are going to watch Portland this year because Scoot is no, going to be must watch TV, I think. No, they're not. They're, they're going to say they're going to say they will, but they won't. They, so they won't be, be good fun. enough. That's Scoot's gonna Scoot's gonna be fun as hell, and that's not a shot at Scoot. It's a shot at you people. Y'all will say you watch it, but you don't. <laughs> I'll watch. Scoot. I think it's a shot at Jay I'll King. Watch Scoot. I'll, I'll be dis- I'll be disgusted. Actually, that's by, not true because Jay basketball. King is the I only guy watch. watching basketball. I have no question Jay King's <laughs> watching them. I have Jay King. Just so you guys understand, in the group chat, will send messages of like he's watching of, like the Miac tournament, uh, and, like and the most randomest <laughs> things. You know, like seventh division in like Mongolia, and yeah. Jay has a take. Like Jay's watching all hoops. That's true. It's true, including his own highlights. Uh, oh, that's don't ever do it for again. the don't show. Don't ever folks. put those in. Don't that put those in the crazy. group chat. We miss Zach Harper. We miss Trey Edwards this week for Moda Kill for Jake King. I'm Dave DeFora. This has been the Basket Buds.
on the Athletic NBA Show.